<laughs> we must preach the gospel in church. Amen? Amen. And uh, so you got to preach with me today. This is a really good message, a really good sermon. Uh, the close will cause you to think a little bit, but I want you to know what, what God has in store for you. We're coming out of Mark, Mark's gospel. We did the seven signs of John. We preached Mark 1 last week. We'll mark, preach Mark 2 this week, and we'll go on up until about Thanksgiving, and then we'll do the Advent uh, through the Christmas season, and then we'll work on something for the first part of the year. Then we'll finish up in Mark around Easter time, uh, because Easter will be here before you know it, believe it or not. I am, um, I'm done with COVID. How about you? Like, I'm, I'm ready just to be, ready to be over that thing. And uh, yet we're going to endure till the end, right? We're going to walk steadfast, immovable in our faith, and God's got this. He's in charge. And so uh, Mark's uh, gospel today uh, there's, a, there's a roundabout thing. Jesus always has uh, interaction with scribes and Pharisees, with, with sinful people, people that need a healing. And we'll, the gospel, the second chapter, touches on all that. Uh, we see that Jesus preaches at a lakeside. He preaches at a marketplace. He preaches in a friend's house, a new friend's house, who was an old sinner. We're going to talk about uh, just our faith walk today, uh, but I don't want you to uh, forget the whole chapter. And so if you have some reading time this week, just read the second chapter of Mark. You'll see uh, where Jesus encounters different things, and we'll, we'll hit kind of the highlight of one specific story today, and it's a faith story, and that's our walk. Our walk should be a faith walk, and if your faith is minimized, your walk will be minimized. If your faith is maximized, your walk will be maximized, and that's important to know because the enemy likes to attack two things. He likes to attack our hope, and he likes to attack our faith because faith is a substance of things hoped for. It's the evidence of things not seen. So when he can get your hope, he minimizes your faith. If he can get your faith, then he minimizes your hope. They work two in one. They work together. And so today I'm going to read out of the King James Version. And the reason I do that today is I don't normally read out of the King James anymore. I used to all the time. That's how we were raised uh, spiritually is to read King James Version. But I like the way the story is told via the King James Version. I normally will preach out of English Standard Version or Holman's. I read in my personal time out of the Message Bible because I like the way Eugene Peterson uh, brings it across. Janie and I had to, a chance to spend almost a week with Eugene Peterson up in the mountains of Colorado uh, some years ago. And it was just, just being in Colorado, being with a, a great man of God, being with just other pastors and Bible scholars was an, just an enlightenment. So in my personal time, I like to read the Message Bible. But today, it's King James. Now, we're not a King James-only church, as you well know, because I use other translations. Some churches are, and we're not going to knock them for doing that. But King James wasn't around when Jesus was either, okay? So just, just a, a sidebar there. He came about 1,600 years after the fact. So uh, let's go. Uh, Mark's Gospel, second chapter, verse number one. And again, he, Jesus, entered into Capernaum after some days, and it was noised that he was in the house. Stop there for a second. This is important. If you want a successful house, you need to bring Jesus in that house. You need to get as much Jesus in you as you can. 
The more Jesus in you, the more crud out of you, okay? And so if you want Jesus in your house or in, in, your, in your life, in your realm, here's some Jehovah's, like Jehovah Jesus, the Lord is. So Jehovah means the Lord is. If you get the Lord is Jesus in your house, uh, Jehovah Sidkenu, this righteousness in your house, Jehovah M. Kadesh, the sanctifier in your house, Jehovah Shammah, his presence in your house, Jehovah Shalom, his peace in your house, Jehovah Rapha, his healing in your house, Jehovah Rohi, the shepherd in your house, Jehovah Nisi, that banner of love in your house, Jehovah Jireh, his provision in your house. When you get Jesus in your house, your troubles will go away. The more of Jesus you get uh, in you and in your house, the better off you are. We have a lot of things in our homes. There's a lot of things that interact and interfere. There's modern technology. There's televisions in some houses, and maybe ours is included. You go in every room, and every room's got a, a TV or a computer. There's technology in our house that I don't even know how to use. We have a printer that refuses to work when we push the word print. So we have to call our daughter, and our daughter will walk us through it. And the other day, our daughter was on a, she, she was like, she was working because she works from home, and she had on a high-powered call. I heard the meeting go on the past, and she's trying to walk us through how to operate this printer. I nearly threw the printer away. Have you, have you ever been there? Is it just me? Maybe I'm old. Don't amen that part. It's just one of these airless printers or air wireless printers. It's, it's, it's. It's brainless printer is what it is. And I almost picked it up and just threw it right out the window. But then I would have to buy a new printer. Then I'd have to buy a new window. Then Jenny would get mad at me. And Jessica said, Papa, can I call you later? Can I handle this on Sunday? Yes, please do. But this is like the fourth Sunday I've had to help her help me with that, that stupid printer. So, But we bring stuff, church, we bring stuff into our house that has minimal impact eternally. We need to bring Jesus in our house. This scripture, Jesus was in a house and he was preaching in his verse number two and, and straightway many were gathered together in so much that there was no room to receive them. No, not so much as about the door as, as he preached the word unto them. And he came unto them bringing one sick of the palsy which was born or carried by four. And when they could not come nigh unto him for the press, they uncovered the roof where he was. And when they had broken up, they laid down the bed wherein the sick of the palsy lay. And Jesus saw their faith. He said to the sick of the palsy, Son, thy sins be forgiven thee. But there were certain of the scribes sitting there and reasoning in their hearts, why does this man thus speak blasphemies? Who can forgive sins but God only? Let's pray. Father, we thank you, Lord, that you do forgive sins. You forgive our sins. You do heal us. You heal our spirit man, our, our, our body man, our soul man. You heal our minds, our emotions, our heart. We thank you so much, Lord, for who you are. Now open this word to us today, Lord, that we can take it, we can gravitate to it, we can grasp it, and we can move forward on it. In Jesus' name we pray. And everybody in agreement said... Amen. This gospel, this gospel of Mark, he's such a bottom liner. He digs right into the ministry. We talked about that last week. We believe that he got most of his information from Peter. And so he and Peter are sitting down over a cup of coffee or just like in your in your quiet place in your house. Janie and I have a, a couple quiet places. We like our, our back porch, our screened-in porch, and we have breakfast out there nearly every morning. And then if we go for a walk, we have a front porch. We come back and grab a water and 
we sit on the front porch and we just look out over the front yard or some of the neighbors. A lot of our neighbors in, uh, have been walking since the, the virus, and so we wave at them and we talk to them. And we have these, these little places, and I have places that I'll just sit in and I'll meditate, and we, we, we find these places. Well, I see Peter and Mark maybe finding a quiet place. Maybe it's on a seashore. Maybe it's in a, a coffee shop. Maybe it's just uh, on a run or something. They're, they're finding a place, and Peter is telling Mark about Jesus, and Mark's writing it down, and this story is just too good to pass up. It's, a, it's the faith of friends. It's, it's how people look at things. It's how people share things. And listen, you need to have friends in your life. You need to have people that care enough that they text you and say, where have you been or how have you been or I'm praying for you. You need to have friends in your life that, that you text and you call and you say, hey, I've been missing you at church or I've been missing you at Bible study or prayer meeting or wherever it is or neighbors that you can just say hi to. We were walking one day and I think we were walking the dog and some uh, gentleman was walking the other way and he said, hey, you're the, you're the preacher, aren't you? And I, it's not like we advertise that. And half the time I'll say no, not that I'm lying. I just, I'm not sure what, they're, what route they're going. And so I, this time I said yes. And we, we had a good conversation. We were talking, people are watching you. You need to know that, okay? You need to protect your testimony. You need to protect who you are. You need to watch who you are. But you need to know that people are watching you. Most of all, God in heaven is watching you. He wants to see how you act and interact and react and do things that he's called you to do. Well, these friends will talk about exercise a, a superior amount of faith, but I, I want to cover just a second that last, maybe it's the last verse. Can we put that verse 7 up there one more time, Anthony? Verse, uh, let's go to 6 and then we'll read 7. He says, but there were certain of the scribes sitting there and reasoning in their hearts. Why does this man thus speak blasphemies? Who can forgive sins but God only? Jesus always had an issue with the Sadducees, the Pharisees, the scribes, the hypocrites, he called them. And I wrote down just a couple things that I want you to activate in your faith today. The first thing is, it's amazing that they were sitting there, but you'll see in our story that the people of faith were acting, okay? So sometimes, if, we're, if we want to challenge our faith, we got to stop sitting, and we got to start moving, we got to start doing things. They were reasoning, but the people of faith in this story were believing. See, we can reason all the time on why things won't work out, why the healing won't take place, why, why the victory won't last, why somebody won't won't come to know Jesus Christ, why all these things will happen, we can reason. But Jesus, or the Lord said to Isaiah in Isaiah 1 and 18, come now, let us reason together. Those your sins be like scarlet, I'll make them white as snow. See, the scribes are reasoning in their hearts why Jesus shouldn't have been able to do the things that he was doing rather than just believing. And then they were asking questions rather than trusting. Now, it's okay to ask a question, but they were asking the wrong kind of questions. Why are they able to do this? Why does he do this? Why does he do this on the Sabbath? Versus why in the world? We've seen the Savior. We've met the King of Kings. We've met the Lord. And so I want you to recognize if you find yourself sometimes sitting reasoning and asking. You need to start acting, moving, being mature. You need to start believing, and you need to start trusting. There's a paradigm change here. There's a shift that God
God is calling Christians, Christ followers, to actively believe and trust him for what he says. For what he says. So these four men exercise faith in three different ways. The first one is faith takes effort. These guys have to come to Jesus or Jesus is not coming to them. It's an amazing thing. They're carrying their friend on a stretcher or on a bed. In other words, one or maybe two of them gets an idea. Hey, Jesus is, Jesus is preaching down there. And we've seen it. Those of you that have been in the church world for any length of time, you know, somebody's having a conference or somebody's preaching over here or this group's singing over there. And people will wait six hours in line. They'll buy a ticket to the front row. They'll get, they'll get that favor. They want to get in that, that sing. Listen, you can get Jesus wherever you're at. You can get Jesus wherever you're at. So the, but these guys took effort. They went to Jesus. Sometimes our faith takes effort. If we give up too early or we give in too early, the answer might be right around the corner. You might like be right there and not know it. And just that moment, if you're like the miracle might be in the house, Jesus might be in the house, the word of God might be in the house, the, the presence of God's in the house because of worship, the only thing we're missing is maybe you might not be in the house. You see what I'm saying? Faith takes effort. It, it, it's hard. It's sometimes it's hard to exercise our faith. It's hard. To, my friend Anthony, who is running the screens today, he's a CrossFit guy and um, certified. Like he owns the CrossFit gym in, in Hickory. And so I wanted him to come over to the house and, and do my workout with me. And uh, my workout's not, it's probably not CrossFit worthy. But like I, I was actually nervous, Anthony, that morning. Like, I had, to, I had to go mow my, my backyard so that the track would be good that we would run on. And, and, I, was, and, I, and I was pacing through the house, and, like, it was, it was a workout. But I wanted, I wanted, I wanted my effort to be, to be supreme. I wanted my effort to be there. And we worked out, had fun, and he showed me a couple things, and it was a good workout. And I'm not, I'm, I'm much older than Anthony. And, and my point is this, God's watching you, Okay. And he wants to see what kind of effort you bring forth in faith. Like, what if we put that same moment into our everyday walk? Like, man, God's watching me. Like, I, I have a chance today to exercise my faith and give forth effort, or do I have a chance today just to lay back and say, hey, let's have somebody else just pray that prayer. Let's have somebody else do that deed. Let's have somebody else go that extra mile. I don't have to. So faith takes effort, and God's expecting that effort from us. Number two, faith is an attitude. Now, I personally love people that have just a little bit of an edge to them, like just a little bit of, of an attitude. You know what I'm saying? How many, how many here would say you got a little bit of an attitude in you? The rest of you are lying, but that's okay. <laughs> My wife's got her hand like this. She should both have both hands up. She, she got the biggest attitude of anybody I know. And if you were here last week, you know the attitude that, that she had by what she told the lady in the store. But attitude's not bad. And, and we laugh because our, our only granddaughter, uh, baby Sayla, she got a little attitude. It, it, and it's kind of funny because it's like she'll, she'll tell, like uh, Marcus and Cherry were at the dinner table one day and they were, they were trying to 
originate, reoriginate uh, Sayla's room just a little bit where, at our house where she takes naps. And, and they said, oh, Sayla's being so good. We'll, we'll leave those toys in today. And Sayla was like, no, thank you. She's a real pattern girl. And she, nope, no, thank you. And she thought if she was nice, but she was, she had, she had just a little attitude. And it was so cute to see the attitude. One of all, first of all, because it was cute to see the granddaughter kind of give it back to the mom and dad just a little bit. You know, it's like as a grandparent, that's one of the things you live for. It's like, yeah, that's, uh, that's really good. She got an attitude. She got that from Grammy. I know she got that from Grammy. And I was laughing in the car the other day. I said, you know, the best thing about Sayla is that she's got an attitude just like you, honey. And there needs to be one more person in the world that has your same attitude. It can't just be me that gets, gets to go through life with, with a person like you. Gets to. There's got to be another one. See how, I, see how I said that? Gets to go through life. I'll stop and move on. Faith has, an a- faith has an attitude. Listen, God wants you to have a little bit of an attitude. Like he needs you to say, no devil, not today. He needs you to say, enemy, get away from my home, get away from my finances, get away from my person, get away from my, my physical person. The sickness, you're not allowed here. You're not welcome here. You need to have an attitude. Church, it's important. You have to have an attitude. If you just let everything come and go as it will and as it may, that's not what God's looking for. These men had an attitude. They showed up at the house. Look at They showed up at the house, and the house was full. It would have been easy to turn around and say, not today. I'm sorry, son. You're not going to get your healing. We're going to move on. But no, they, per- they proceeded, and they persisted. They climb up on top of the roof. They tear apart the roof. They pull off the roof. They lower their friend down. This is a friendship that goes above all friends. Friendships. This is faith in action. They had attitudes. You're not going to tell me, devil, that I can't be healed. I'm going to be healed in Jesus' name. You have to have an attitude. It's important. If there's something inside of a person that God places there that you know if it's right, you know if it's not supposed to be, you know if God spoke to you about a healing, if God spoke to you about a promise, if God spoke to you about a loved one coming to be a Christ follower, if God spoke to you about a job or a promotion, you know that God has that in there. You just have to say no. Not today. It's not going to happen. Look at these men. The, the house was full. They could have walked away. They couldn't see Jesus. They could only hear him. Still would have been easy to turn away. They had to go not the only the extra mile for themselves. They were carrying a person. They go to the house, and it's full. They walked around because it's kind of like an adobe hut probably. It's built into the side. They rip off the top layer. They rip off the second layer. In fact, the Bible says they broke the roof. Then they removed the roof. Then they lowered him down. This is how much they wanted to see their friend healed. They had an attitude. And sometimes I think the church has the wrong attitude. We're so worried about political things. We're so worried about non-spiritual things. We're so worried about physical things. We're so worried about cultural things. If we would just worry about Jesus' things, he would take care of everything else. It's the Jesus culture that we need. If we just get more of Jesus in, it's like Jesus is in the house. And if we had an attitude that nobody's going to tell me, when you know some people, and my wife is one of them, when they get something stuck in their head, you cannot talk them out of it. That's what God needs you to be as far as faith goes. 
You get that just in your mind. You get that in your spirit. No, this is what the Lord told me. This is what the Lord wants for me. This is how Jesus is acting. What do you need to remove roof-wise, spiritually, so that you can be the person that God's called you to be, so you can have an attitude of faith, faith that is unwavering. And the third thing is Jesus saw their faith. Faith can be seen. They lowered the person down. They removed the roof. They broke the roof. They're lowering the person down from the roof, and all of a sudden, he comes down. And the Bible says clearly, Jesus saw their faith and made him whole. In fact, he says, son, your sons are forgiven. Get up and walk. And the scribes and Pharisees were horribly upset about that. Who are you to forgive someone's sins? He says, is it easier for me to say, pick up thy bed and walk, or is it easy for me to say that sins are forgiven, go ahead and get up and walk, but so that you'll know that the Son of Man has the power to do both, I say pick up your bed and walk. Now here's what Jesus is saying. He heals both the inside of a man and the outside of a man. Sometimes we work on a physical healing or a physical blessing, but the Lord wants to work on the inner man first. Sometimes we have the inner man fixed and we don't think that God will do anything else because we're saved. The rest of it will take care of itself. No, God wants you blessed. God wants you ordained. God wants you structured. God wants you, uh, he wants you to glorify him and everything. So he wants to bless you both internally and externally. He is visible here and he sees their faith. And again, this is important because we see the scribes were sitting when those four men were moving. The scribes were reasoning when those four men were believing. The scribes were pointing fingers and accusing and when those four men were trusting. Now listen to me. We get into the church world and we learn a lot about things, how it shouldn't be done, how it can't be done. We've never done it that way before. But Jesus is trying to introduce a new thing right here. And he's saying, no, if he speaks the word, that man can be healed. And he heals. A man, if you've watched or you watch uh, our Grace Kids on, uh, on Sunday mornings about maybe three weeks ago, Marcus did an illustration where he had little, his little son Judah in a wagon, and Judah was the paralytic man, and him and Sailor were taking Judah to the house to get healed, and they couldn't get in the house. All the doors were locked, and the house was full, and so Marcus grabs a saw, and he's going to cut, he's cutting the, his ceiling, he's got a little attic, and Sailor says, what are you doing, Daddy? I'm making room for Judah, and it's part of the skit, so he moves back the little attic trap door and he's lowering Judah down to the to the room and it's a beautiful word picture and Judah's in this little you know carrying sack and he's he's lowering him down I'm thinking uh, man that, that that is just the coolest thing in the world and and Sailor's looking up and here comes this man and I think Judah uh, Jesus is thinking the same thing look at the faith of these guys like Jesus wants to see your faith today it's too easy just to disregard things. It's too easy to say, blame things on the past. It's too easy to blame things on the present. Well, you know, there's a virus out there, and it's a political year, and there's a lot of racial tension out there, all those things. But Jesus wants you to step up to the plate and exercise your faith. This is important, church. And so the next thing you see is Judah's running around the house. He's, he's been healed and made whole. It's a beautiful little, little diagram. It's a beautiful little picture. That same picture that blessed me when I watched Marcus's presentation of that on, on, the, on the YouTube is what Jesus thinks about you when he can see your faith, when it takes effort, okay? 
when it takes an attitude, and then all of a sudden Jesus looks down and says, man, I, I see their faith. I go back to Joshua, the first chapter, when Moses is dead. And Moses wandered 49, Moses wandered 49, 40 years in the wilderness, 39 years he didn't have to. One year was by wise design. God got, wanted them to get rid of all the junk and garbage. It was an 11-day journey. One year they were designed. After that, they were supposed to take the promised land. 39 more years, and everybody else died that was of age at that point in time that was over the age of 20 years old. Everybody else died. They did not make it into the promised land. Now it's Joshua's turn. Well, Joshua has effort. Joshua was one of the chosen two spies of the 12 that said we can go over. Joshua has, has an attitude. He's a warrior. He's a strategist, okay? And so God says, Moses, my servant, is now dead. It's time for you to go over. Joshua doesn't waste any time, but God tells him this. Wherever the soles of your feet tread, and that word in Hebrew is barak, wherever you're willing to do spiritual battle, that ground is yours. So church, let me tell you this. Wherever you're willing to do spiritual battle, wherever you're willing to pray, wherever you're willing to fast, wherever you're willing to put forth the effort and the attitude, God sees your faith. He will work on your behalf. There's victory ahead for you in the name of Jesus. So Joshua does it. He takes him over. He crosses Jordan. Now he's getting ready to take Jericho. So there, in, uh, Joshua, the fifth chapter in the 13th verse, uh, Joshua's minding his business. He's getting ready. And all of a sudden, there's a, there's a man there with his sword drawn, the Bible says. And Joshua pulls his sword out and says, hey, are you with us? Or are you, for, or are you against us? And the man says, I'm neither. I'm the captain of the Lord's army. And all of a sudden, uh, Joshua goes from a posture of fighting to a posture of just laying flat on the ground. He goes from one that he wants to do to himself to one that knows God will do it for him. And I'm telling, talking to somebody today, you have to stop trying to do things yourself and start letting God work on your behalf. But the way you work on your behalf is by God instituting your faith. It's by God cleaning your mess up. It's by you saying, okay, God, here's my effort. Here's my attitude. Now, would you look down and see my faith? Well, he tells Joshua, okay, you're going to take Jericho. When you take it, take all the things of Jericho, the gold, the silver, all the animals, and you put them into the Lord's treasury that first time. After that, you just put 10% in. It's our model of giving tithes after a first fruit, okay? And so he says that the first time, walk around peaceably. Don't, don't say anything. No, don't make a noise. Don't even talk to each other, walk around the, the city of Jericho, and now to walk around what would have been between six and eight acres would take about 30 minutes, okay? But because it's an army, theologians tell us it was probably more like an hour to hour and a half, but for one person to walk around an acreage like that, and that's the size of what Jericho was, was between six and eight acres. The walls were fortified. They were between 20 and 40 feet tall, between 12 and 30 feet thick. They had chariot races on their so they were being exposed when they walked around. I'm telling you about how you can see somebody's faith because God wants to see your faith. Now, can you imagine sometimes what happens is God wants to expose our faith. Somebody may say something to you and you say, no, that's not going to happen. Why? Because my faith, hope, trust, belief, and confidence is in God Almighty. I don't believe that's going to happen. I believe God's on my side. You've exposed yourself. So the Israeli army, the Jewish army, was exposing themselves to men who could have killed them on the wall. Six days in a row, you walk around this uh, uh, Jericho one time. 
peaceably. Be quiet. Be, be silent. And so they'd walk around one time. That was it. Next day, walk around one time. That was it. Next, the seventh day, which, by the way, would have been the Sabbath day. It would have been against their culture to walk around. But Jesus in Mark's gospel, the second chapter, the chapter we're on, the very last verse says that he's Lord of the Sabbath. That Sabbath wasn't uh, made for, uh, man wasn't made for the Sabbath, but the Sabbath was made for men. On the seventh day, the seven Levitical priests with seven shofars blew the trumpet seven times as they walked around the, the, the city seven different times and they blew a shout. And it was the shout that released and the walls of Jericho fell down. Now that's, a, again, another story that says when we decide we want to shout to the Lord rather than complain to him, when we want to praise God rather than to avoid him, we want to exercise our faith in God rather than remove him, we start to say, God, I know that the answer is on the way. Our praise goes up. God's glory comes down. Zephaniah, the third chapter. Hear me on that and don't fall asleep on this deal. This is important. God wants to see your faith today. God wants that effort and that attitude. And so Joshua does it. They walk around six times the seventh day, and there's a bunch of sevens. It's the seventh day. They walk around seven times. There's seven of the Levitical priests. They blow the shofar seven times. It's seven, seven, seven. And all of a sudden, boom. And seven, by the way, is God's perfect number. It means completion. It comes to a completion. So the walls fall down. They take the, the gold. They take the silver. They take jewelry. They take all those things, and they take it back to the warehouse of the Lord. It's an amazing picture of how, how perfect faith can be when you just walk in obedience. But it's also a, a mirror of something that takes place in Revelations, the 8th chapter, and the first verse. Let's read 1 through 6 of, of Revelations 8. And when he had opened the seventh seal, now here we go. Think about this for a second. I'm going to bring it together for you and show you how important your faith really is, how much God honors your faith. When he opened the seventh seal, there was silence in heaven for about the space of a half hour. In other words, what it would have taken one man to silently walk around the walls of Jericho, 30 minutes. You can walk around six or eight acres. They took a little longer because there was a whole army. But he, right here, God is mirroring Jericho, and I'll show you why in a second. And I saw the seven angels. Now we have the seventh seal, and now we have seven angels, and he, which stood before God, and to them were given, what, seven trumpets. So now we have a reenactment of what Joshua was doing around Jericho. So these walls were going to tumble, and because of this, your walls will tumble too, verse number Three, then he says, and another angel came and stood at the altar having a golden censer, and there was given unto him much incense that he should offer it with the prayers of all saints upon the golden altar which was before the throne. And the smoke of the incense which came up for the prayers of the saints ascended up before God out of the angel's hand. And the angel took the censer, filled it with fire of the altar, and cast it into the earth. And there were voices and thunderings and lightnings and earthquake. And the seven angels which had the seven trumpets prepared themselves to sound. Now you'll see in scriptures, as you read verses chapters 8, 9, 10, and 11, that that seventh angel blows the trumpet, and all the 
the 20 and four elders get on their faces before the Lord as the prayers of the saints are, are issued. Now let's go back to verse three for a second, read three and four. And another angel came, okay, that he should offer it with the prayers of all saints upon the golden altar, which is before the throne. Verse four, and the smoke of the incense which came from the prayers of the saints. Now hear me, stop there for a second. Joshua had the victory from obedience because God saw his faith. The angels here had the obedience over the power of the enemies of darkness because they had the victory in Christ Jesus. Here we have the, we have the victory in Christ by the power of our faith because when you activate your faith and God sees it, your prayers go up to the heavens. They're held in a sense, in a, a vial before the Lord, which is poured out before God. And the 24 and elders, they get on their faces before the Lord and they worship God so that he will answer your prayers. Church, you got to hear me on this. When you exercise your faith, you are showing off in heaven in a, in a really, really good way. You are showing off, not in an arrogant way, not in an ignorant way. You are showing off in heaven saying, okay, Lord, I know I can't work it out. I know it's impossible for me to work it out. I know, I know that I'm, I'm, I'm doing the best I can. I know the effort's there. But I know that my faith, my trust, my belief, my confidence is in you. So that when I pray, Lord, I know that you hear me in heaven. And listen, your prayers activate a chain reaction in heaven that happened the same thing at Joshua when he walked around Jericho. When they walked around that seventh time, they blew the shofar. They lifted up a shout of praise unto God. When you pray to God, all of a sudden shofars go off in heaven. The 24 elders, they lift up a praise. They lift up a worship. And all you are, you think, is one person, but you have all of heaven behind you. You have all of heaven, all of eternity before you. We know what the victory looked like in Joshua. We know what the victory looked like in Revelations, but you hold the victory right there in your spirit, in your heart. You hold the victory right here, knowing that God is on your side. You have to have effort. You have to have attitude. And yes, Jesus at some point in time has to see your faith. If you're relying on the faith of others, which isn't a bad thing, this whole story today is about the faith of four friends. But at some point in time, God expects you to be one of those friends. God expects you to be one of those people that says, okay, I've got faith. This thing's going to work out. Would you stand with me today? You have to understand the faith of what it takes, the faith of what it means to be just a Christ follower. Close your eyes. Bow your head just for a second. If you're watching online, just, just close your eyes for a moment. I want you to be honest with yourself. The disciples were being honest one day when Jesus said, hey, offenses are going to come. The disciples said, Master, would you increase our faith? Would you increase our faith? You need to, if you need your faith increased, just raise your hand right here. Nobody looking around. If you need your faith, yeah, God sees those hands. I need my faith increased. If there's something in your life that you need the Lord to take care of, maybe it's physical or spiritual, maybe it's financial or emotional, just raise your hand. Lord, I need this. This is, a, this is an act of faith. This is a, a showing. This right here, God's seeing your faith. That's what, that's what God does. He wants to see your faith. Why? Because now, 
those around the throne room of grace. Nick said, well, Pastor, that's a, that's a metaphor. That doesn't really happen. I believe in my heart that you can touch the throne room of grace with your faith. I believe God shows it throughout Scripture. Let me pray for you right now. We're going to sing another song, but I want, to, I want you to activate that faith. Lord, I pray for those that raise their hands asking for more faith. God, would you give them more faith in Jesus' name? Those that have issues in their life, whatever they may be, physical, a spiritual, financial, God, would you move, Father Lord, on their, on their behalf? Lord, would you see their faith, oh God? They're stepping out in effort. They're stepping out in attitude. They're stepping out, Lord, letting you know, uh, Father, they're, they're raising their hand. They're, they're speaking with their heart today. God, I ask, Father, in Jesus' name, would you see their faith? Would you shake and move the heavens, Father? Would you shake and move the earth, oh God? Would you shake and move their situation? Lord, would you cause things, Father, to work out, to figure out? Would you drop the walls that are in their in their, in their life, Lord, physical or financial or spiritual or, or, or financial, uh, uh, relational? God, would you break those walls down right now? Lord, the Father, their faith can be seen in heaven. That their faith can be seen so we can make a difference. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Let's worship together.
many of you received that message today? It's a powerful word, right? How many of you believe that God is still able to do miracles? How many of you believe that God is able to heal and set free and restore and deliver? And he can change our lives today, amen? Amen. Well, if you believe that, then I want you to exercise your faith today. Uh, we know that a lot of people in the church have uh, different issues going on right now, whether it be a health concern, maybe something with your job or a family member. Uh, you may or may not have seen it when you walked in, but there were some uh, prayer request cards. Uh, the cards are blank on the one side, and we want you to fill that out with your prayer request. And we want you to exercise your faith as you're writing that down to declare, you know what, I believe that God is able to do this. It could be for you or it could be for somebody that you know. But then I also want you to, uh, to do this one here as a praise report card. So when uh, God answers that prayer, then we want you to tell us about that so that we can rejoice with you. Amen. Uh, this happened recently. I think it was two weeks ago. We prayed for uh, the brother of someone here at the church. Uh, he had tested positive for COVID-19. And uh, we prayed for him, even online. I was stood in the back and we just prayed for him right then and there. And then today, this morning, I got a text message that said, praise God, he's completely recovered, he's healed, and in Jesus' name, amen? So that's just, that's how it works right there. Um, but maybe you fill out a prayer request today, but you can just be like the, those that were, the army that was marching around Jericho, and you can begin to even give God praise for what you do have. It might seem like you're going through something right now, might feel like you're in a struggle, but you still have a reason to praise the Lord, amen? So we can begin to praise Him even now before we see the victory. So take a moment on your way out to just grab one of those cards or both of them and fill those out, drop them in the bucket, and then we are going to uh, connect with you and believe with you in prayer, amen? We can do that even now. Let's go ahead and just close the service in a word of prayer and even to give God one more praise. Father, we thank you that you are a miracle-working God, that there is no problem or situation that is too big that you can't handle. In fact, God, you already knew these things were coming even before we did. Lord, we just lift up our prayer request to you right now for each person here that is going to have a surgery or recovering from surgery. Lord, for those that are sick or know those that have um, a sickness or a disease, we stand with them right now, and we declare the finished work of Calvary over their lives, and we declare that they are healed and whole. We declare every cell in their body to line up to the Word of God, and we, pro uh, we proclaim that healing in Jesus' name. Lord, for the family members and for the jobs, Lord, we pray for victory. We pray for your provision to come upon each person in this body, Lord, that you'd have your way. Lord, and we give you the praise, even in advance for seeing testimony, Lord. We just praise you now for it, and we thank you that you are a miracle-working God. We pray all in the name of Jesus. Amen. God bless you. We love you. We'll see you next Sunday. Thank you for joining us for today's service. If God is impacting your life through this ministry, join us in reaching others by investing today. You can give at www.gracechurch.tv slash give or by downloading the app and select Give. We can't wait to see you next week.